to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you, dear listener. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Wednesday Breakfast Show. It is the 27th of December 2023. We are coming to a conclude to this year. Uh, and um, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, it has been a very good year in terms of um, in terms of you know uh, religious um, spiritual rejuvenation. I'm sure a lot of us have gone through that as well. Uh, but uh, the the state of the world is in great turmoil. We what we are seeing around the world in terms of uh, the Ukraine and Russia war and the Israel and Gaza-Palestine conflict as well as, you know, many other oppressed areas, oppressed countries that are going through these conflicts such as, uh, you know, the Congo and the uh, and Sudan as well. So we will be discussing that further on. Uh, as always, in the first segment of the morning, we do discuss the weather and the news. And this time we do have an interesting topic, interesting topics for you guys as well this morning that we'll be talking about uh, with some very interesting guests that we'll be interviewing as well. So just to get into things, um, we will um, be now be looking at what the weather is, uh, the weather is uh, all about. So to, uh, in terms of the weather... Uh, the BBC's latest forecast for the UK is that today will be wet and windy for most, with rain or snow over the higher ground of Scotland. Towards the evening, the rain will start to clear from the west and be replaced by blustery showers. Tonight, staying windy and blustery with variable cloud, clear spells and band of showering uh, showers moving in. These will be most frequent in the north and west and heavy and thundery in places. 
Uh, on Thursday, tomorrow, we will see very blue cloud, uh, bright intervals, but there will still be band of blustery heavy showers sweeping eastwards, cloud, cloudier in Scotland with longer spells of rain in places, and it will be windy as well. And the outlook from for Friday to Sunday is that Friday will be unsettled with scattered showers feeling, uh, feeding in from the west, but some places will remain drier and brighter through the day. Saturday looks to seep a low sweep in from the west, bringing windy and wet conditions for most and snow in far north and northern hills, early rain clearing on Sunday to leave a drier and calmer day with sunshine developing for the most. And the Met Office has also you know, announced the full list of areas where in the UK is set for snow uh, today, basically. And, uh, you know, there, there are some places that, you know, it will be snowing uh, pretty heavily. Uh, such as um, uh, such as Dundee or Perth or these these areas or in Aberdeen as well in in, in Scotland. Um, so these places they need to be prepared for you know some snowfall as well, heavy rain and some snowfall as well. So I guess we can't all be looking forward to snow this year. Um, you know, Christmas uh, has passed as well. Uh, a lot of people celebrated uh, Christmas and they had their seasonal greetings, seasonal their seasonal um, holiday as well. Uh, we do hope you know that went well for for everyone as well. So, what is the news uh, all about? So the Israel uh, Gaza war that we will be discussing later on in one of our topics as well. Um, the uh, the Guardian says that the Israel army chief says Gaza war to continue for many more months. And uh, Israeli military says it has expanded Gaza offensive into refugee camps. <clears throat> as as we reported earlier, people in uh, central Gaza described a night of shelling and airstrikes shaking the Nusrat, Maghazi and Burej refugee camps on Tuesday. The camps are crowded with Palestinians whose family fled during the 1948 war, as well as the civilians who had recently fled northern Gaza in the early stages of Israel's ground offensive. And, uh, you know, Daniel Hagari told a news conference that um, we have expanded the fighting to an area known as the Central Camps. You know, one one may wonder, like, what is the point of carrying on a war in the refugee camps? What what could they possibly be hiding over there, right? It's mostly going to be innocent civilians, innocent children, innocent women uh, and uh, old men, right? That is the majority of people that would go to refugee camps. And, uh, you know, what Israel is doing... Um, what the the onslaught that they are carrying out, you know, it is um, it's just a it's such a shame of what is happening over there, and how the innocent civilians of uh, Palestine, of Gaza, uh, and people in the West Bank are losing their lives. May May Allah the Almighty guide them on the right path, uh, and hopefully this this conflict does come to an end. In other news, um, there's been um, an attack in France where an entire family was killed uh, during Christmas. Four young children and their mother were killed in their home near Paris in an exceptionally violent crime, police say. Uh, 
The children's father was arrested on Tuesday. The mother and two daughters, aged 7 and 10, were stabbed so many times overnight from Sunday to Monday that police could not work out the number of wounds. You know, we see these stories in our newspapers almost every single day. And there's a lot of stories that don't even get covered. And what is happening around the world in today's day and age, it is such a dire situation. We see these tragic stories, stabbings, killings, murders. And one, you know, one really starts to wonder, one starts to think, what, what is going through these people's mind when they commit these heinous acts? Is there any sliver of humanity left in them? That is the problem that we are facing, we are seeing everywhere in today's day and age. So at the, we just have to remind ourselves, we just have to you know, turn back to Allah the Almighty because a lot of us have, um, you know, drawn, uh, have, have gone very far, far away from Allah the Almighty. And the man, the man who has come to bring the faith, bring faith back from the Pleiades star, which was mentioned in a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that the, the, there will come a time where faith will essentially go to the star of Pleiades. And the man who will bring it back will be the foretold promised Messiah, which many religious um, institutions, many religions are still awaiting. But by the grace of Allah the Almighty, the promised Messiah has come into the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and he only teaches the message of Islam and the Holy Quran. He has not brought about any new teachings but rather reaffirms everything that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, taught us. So we just need to, we need to turn to um, the teachings of Islam and follow in, in the footsteps of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. In other news, uh, estimated number of London leavers slumps to nine-year low in 2023. The number of homes bought by Londoners outside of the capital fell to 69,190 in 2023. Fewer Londoners ventured outside the M25 in 2023 to buy a home elsewhere, according to an index. Londoners collectively spent an estimated £28.7 billion on homes outside the capital this year, which was £11.7 billion less than 2022. So, I'm, I myself am astounded as well uh, by this figure because, you know, I would assume... I personally would think due to the high high inflation, even though that's going on everywhere in the country, but uh, especially living in London, I myself live in London, it just seems very much more expensive. Even if you go down, even if you look at it on a lower scale, go to, for example, you know, one of those local shops, they, if you go somewhere up north, say Manchester, Bradford, Liverpool, these areas, like local shops, chicken shops and stuff, they will be cheaper compared to London prices, as well as houses are much cheaper over there as well. So I would assume that a lot of more people would be moving out of London, but uh, it is an, at an all-time, ho, uh, all-time low, a nine-year low. So it's, it's very interesting. 
And in other news, the Eulers Goon Squad, as the Daily Mail has titled it, the Eulers Goon Squad, Sadiq Khan is using mob of masked heavies to intimidate and harass London homeowners and protect his hated cameras from Blade Runners. So Sadiq Khan, uh, the mayor of London, has employed some some people to make sure that the Eulers cameras are not taken down. Because as we know, there are vigilantes going around taking down Eulers cameras. And they are, you know, some of them are wearing like skull masks all, and they're covered from head to toe and some have like skull and bones. Some people are, have tattoos on their faces. You know, you should never judge a book by its cover. But uh, according to Daily Mail, a lot of people have been intimidated by these people and are not feeling safe. And this is to protect the Eulers cameras. So it's, it's an interesting take from Sadiq Khan. Uh, you know, he does need to protect his investment. But then again, as we have discussed previously on The Voice of Islam, that is Eulers really the way forward? Are electric vehicles really the way forward? Are they that much, you know, bringing us closer to zero emission? Because you have to look at it from, from you know, you have to take a step back and look at it from a different point of view, a different perspective to see the bigger picture. We did talk about this earlier as well, that you have to look at how the electric car batteries are made and how much emissions goes into that, you know, digging up all the all the cobalt for uh, the mining that needs to occur to make the car battery. So even before the car sets out on the road, even before it's on zero miles, it's emitted a lot of emissions already. But then, of course, you know, you're going to be going around. And are they really practical as well? A lot of people, you know, Tesla owners or other electric vehicle owners, they drive a few hundred miles and then they have to, 150, 200, 250 miles, they have to charge up if they're doing long journeys. Then they have to wait, depending if you can't find a supercharger, uh, you have to wait upwards of an hour. Whereas if you have a fuel-based car, you can fuel up very quickly and just move on with your journey. So... Is our test are electric cars really the future? That is the real question. And in other news, um, Russia has confirmed damage to one of its warships in the Black Sea. Um, there was an air airstrike that took place in uh, Fedosia in Russian-occupied Crimea early on Tuesday morning, <clears throat> and uh, Russia's Ministry of Defense said the large landing ship was struck by Ukrainian aircraft carrying guided missiles. And, uh, you know, this um, Ukraine is is saying that this is a big, big win for them. And some people are describing the war in uh, Russia and Ukraine as, as a stalemate. So uh, let's, let's hope, you know, all the conflicts around the world do come and come to an end, come to a close. And we can all live in peaceful harmony. Because there is no need for bloodshed. There is no need to fight over land because there is plenty of land on God's earth. Moving on, um, you know, as we know the what is happening around um, Gaza and Israel and um, the Yemeni Houthis, the rebels, they are pre- preventing, you know, ships from crossing the Red Sea. But uh, a Danish shipping giant um Maersk has said it is preparing to resume shipping operations through the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden because uh, 
they if they don't they have to the alternative route around the cape of good hope adds about 3500 nautical miles to the journey this has led to fears of disruption to the supply of goods transported through the suez canal and an increase in prices to cover the higher transport costs it takes a lot longer and uh, there's um, overall risk as well how the world saw, this is the world's second largest shipping company added that those security measures had been put in place the overall risk in the area is not eliminated at this stage mazak will not hesitate to reevaluate the situation and once again initiate diversion plans if we deem it necessary for the safety of our seafarers so let, let's see how that situation pans out as well and lastly uh, what i'd like to mention is uh, according to the bbc news uh, in the israel gaza war netanyahu vows to intensify his campaign prime minister Be- benjamin netanyahu has said israel will intensify its fight against hamas in the coming days he has told members of his party that he had visited gaza on monday morning and that israel's military campaign day was not close to being over his comments come days after the us secretary of state uh, said israel should lower the intensity of it, of its strikes gaza's hamas run health ministry said on monday that some 20674 palestinians had been killed in israeli bo- uh, bombardments since then since 7th october it says most fatalities have been women and children Some 1200 mainly civilians were, were killed when Hamas gunmen stormed across the border on 7th October around 240 people were taken back to Gaza as hostages Israel says 132 are still being held and he told a meeting he, he told a meeting of his Likud party that troops he met on his visit to Gaza had urged Israel to keep fighting until the end we're not stopping we're continuing to fight and we're intensifying the fight in the coming days it's going to be a long war that's not close to ending i mean you know we have spoken we are continuing to speak about what is uh, cover this um uh, situation as well raising awareness as well uh for the last you know a few weeks a few months what is happening over there his holiness the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad Mirlabi his helper has continuously given us guidance as well that you know Israel needs to needs to back down needs to stop what it's doing because right now it's killing innocent civilians and um, he has you know uh, repeatedly called for a ceasefire as well and that is what needs to happen there needs to be a ceasefire and the war needs to stop So we will be discussing the uh, this in our topics later on and uh, for now dear listener don't go anywhere do join us after a very short break where then we'll be discussing our first segment of the morning Northern Gaza hospital faces severe food shortages amid Israeli blockade during the Israel-Palestine conflict and then for the second segment we will be discussing should we be taking vitamin D supplements during winter months so don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short break O ye people who consider yourselves members of my jamaat you will be accounted as such in heaven when you truly tread upon the path of righteousness so offer the five daily prayers in such fear and with such complete attention as if you are actually beholding god almighty 
observe your fasts in full sincerity for the sake of God. Let everyone who is accessible to zakat pay the zakat. Let him upon whom the pilgrimage is obligatory and there is no obstruction in his way perform the pilgrimage. Do good in a handsome way and discard vice with disgust. Bear well in mind that no action of yours which is empty of righteousness can reach God Almighty. Righteousness is the root of all goodness. No action that is rooted in righteousness will go in vain. It is inevitable that you should also be tried with all kinds of anguish and misfortune, just as the faithful before you were tried. Be alert, therefore, lest you should stumble. So long as you have a firm relationship with heaven, the earth can do you no harm. Whenever harm befalls you, it will be through your own hands and not through your enemy. Even if you lose all honour on earth, God will bestow eternal honour upon you in heaven, so do not leave him. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet wasallam, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed, but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding, yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. It was for me that God caused the solar and lunar eclipses in heaven during the month of Ramadan and caused numerous other signs to be manifested on earth and thus, in accordance with divine practice, my truth was conclusively established. God, in whose hand rests my life, is my witness that if you cleanse your hearts and seek other signs from God, the Omnipotent One is capable of showing a sign according to his own will and power, without being subject to any of your importunities. And I am sure that if you demand a sign from me, with a genuine desire to repent, and promise earnestly before God that if an extraordinary sign appears which is beyond human power, you will shed all this rancour and enmity, and purely for the sake of winning God's pleasure, will enter into the pledge of bet with me, then God, being so kind and merciful, will certainly show you some sign. However, it is not within my power to fix a period of two or three days for showing a sign, or to do exactly as you wish. It is the prerogative of God to choose the time. 
The giver of life, the one who gives life to whoever he wills. How can you disbelieve in Allah? When you were without life, he gave you life, and then he will cause you to die, then restore you to life, and then to him shall you be made to return. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful welcome back to the breakfast show dear listener. We are discussing our first segment of the morning Northern Gaza hospital faces severe food shortages amid Israeli blockade during Israel Palestine conflict. Over 250 doctors, patients and their families in Northern Gaza are on the edge of starvation as Israeli snipers maintain a siege on Al-Auda Hospital, these snipers are shooting to kill anyone attempting to enter, exit or even approaching a window of the building. Al-Auda uh, Hospital has been under siege for four days. No one inside the hospital can move, enter or leave the hospital in fear of being shot. Israeli snipers surround the hospital, shooting anyone that enters, leaves or is it even near, uh, near one of the windows, as I mentioned earlier? It is reported that Israeli tanks surround the hospital within 50 to 70 metres. That's basically, that's basically no distance at all. That will, If a tank shot you from 50 to 70 metres away, even if you're in a building, that whole place would be decimated. Because the sh- shells the, 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 of tanks are huge. And the amount of damage that, we, that they cause... I'm sure a, uh, a lot of you would have seen from footage. It's, it's, it's atrocious. 
According to staff members inside Al-Auda, there's only enough food to last a few days for patients inside the hospital, forcing people to only eat one meal a day. The Israeli forces are holding anyone inside the hospital as hostages until their food supply has run out, while also attacking their water tanks. Al-Auda has been the target of Israel more than once since the 7th of of October this year. Furthermore, Israel has attacked other hospitals such as uh, Rantisi Hospital and Al-Shifa Hospital, the largest medical complex in Gaza. You know, what? one one starts to wonder that uh, if the aim of Israel is only to deter, is only to finish, eradicate Hamas, then they should be targeting only the Hamas militants, which they say are around 30 to 40,000. Whereas there is around 2 million people in Gaza, um, compactly in a very tight space, moved to northern Gaza, from southern Gaza. Uh, even like they've halved the strip, basically. They're all there. Majority of them are there. And majority of them are children and women. But, the, and Israel is targeting hospitals where majority of Israel, uh, the, the Gazan women and ch- children are being treated from their b- bombardment, but they're targeting even that place. They need, to, they need to be showing some sliver of mercy towards them, at least have some, some sliver of mercy and uh, at least show some, some sympathy towards them. But instead, the actions that they are showing are completely against that. And it seems as if they want to completely eradicate the entire Gaza population. That is what it seems like what is happening over there. Hazrat Mr. Masoor Ahmed, the current head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, has stated that Israeli government officials say Hamas killed our innocents, hence we will seek revenge. The revenge has now exceeded all limits. The loss of Palestinian lives, as reported, is four to five times greater than the loss of Israeli lives. If the aim is to eliminate Hamas as they so claim, then they should directly combat them. Why are they killing women, children and elderly? They have also deprived people of water, sustenance and medical care. This is where all claims to human rights and rules of warfare cease to exist when it comes to these governments. After the battle, either release them as favour or by taking ransom. Until the war lays down its burdens, this is mentioned in the Holy Quran, chapter 47, verse 5. This means that prisoners are to be released in good will after the battle or by taking ransom in some way such as money from the family in exchange of prisoners or some other uh, or some other means further the holy quran states that prisoners are only to be treated strictly to the extent that the enemy is strict to muslim pr- prisoners and if you desire to punish the oppressors then punish them to the extent of which they have been wronged but if you show patience then surely that is the best for those who are patient in another verse of the Holy Quran, it states that fight in the way of Allah. Those who fight you but do not transgress, indeed Allah does not like transgressors. It says in the Holy Quran, um, in another place, that we must not hate people, rather we must hate evil actions. This idea is clearly explained in the story of Hazrat Lut peace be upon him, uh, Lot, uh, peace be upon him, where 
He has stated that he hated the evil actions of his people but never hated them in chapter 26 verse 169 of the Holy Quran. The Holy Quran acknowledges the existence of warfare but emphasizes the principle of justice and self-defense. Muslims are permitted to engage in warfare for self-defense but there are strict guidelines. There are strict guidelines and restrictions on the conduct of war. And the treatment of non-combatants, the Quran prohibits the killing of non-combatants, including women, children, and those not actively engaged in fighting. But what we are seeing in uh, what is happening is uh, in Israel and Gaza, what is happening in Gaza, and even in the West Bank, that is what Israel is doing. It is committing these actions. Prohibition of excess. Islam prohibits excesses in warfare including the destruction of property mutilation of the excuse me mutilation of the dead and the use of tactics that cause unnecessary harm the holy quran uh, in chapter 2 verse 195 states and do not throw yourselves into destruction with your own hands care for the sick and wounded the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, emphasized the importance of caring for the sick and wounded, irrespective of their faith or affliction. In another narration uh, of um, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it is stated, whoever is not merciful to others will not be treated mercifully. Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, permission to fight is given to those against whom war is made because they have been wronged. Because they have been wronged and Allah indeed has the power to help them. Those who have been driven out from their homes unjustly only because they said, our Lord is Allah and if Allah did not repel some people by means of others, there would surely there would surely have been pulled they would surely have been pulled down uh, cloisters and um, and churches and synagogues and mosques wherein the name of Allah is oft com- uh, com- commemorated commemorated and Allah will surely help one who helps him Allah is indeed powerful and mighty so you know even in, even in the teachings of Islam in the Holy Quran that we find um, what is happening is that even you are not allowed to destroy holy places, right? Places of worship. Whereas what we uh, saw Israel do, they destroyed a mosque in Gaza, which was one of the oldest mosques in the world. I mean, you know, historically, they they, they have committed, um, Israel is committing many war crimes, you know, uh, but the world is turning a blind eye. People are raising awareness, you know, people are standing up against this, uh, doing peaceful protests, uh, going on marches. But essentially, the especially the Muslim nations, they need to come together and they need to help out their fellow Gazan Muslim brothers. And you don't have to be a Muslim to see the plight of the Gazans, right? To see what they're going through, see the oppression, see what is happening over there. Just have some sympathy in your heart and um, hopefully, you know, Allah the Almighty guides everyone on the right path and hopefully the Gazan uh, and the Muslims from West Bank, the Palestinians, they, they are, you know, they are saved. Uh, how uh, the, the people that are left. 
and uh, the people that have uh, you know returned to Allah Almighty hopefully Allah Almighty has mercy on their soul Islam advocates that true sympathy and justice be shown to the entire world regardless of religion creed or nationality this sympathy compassion and justice is a form of love the type which is promoted by the motto of uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community love for all hatred for none in chapter 60 verse 9 Allah forbids you not respecting those who have not fought against you on account to your religion and who have not driven you forth from your homes that you be kind to them and act equitably towards them surely Allah knows those who are equitable we will now be listening to one of uh, the interviews that we did hold with one of the guests uh, Mr uh, Nizar Farsakh um, who is a Palestinian American political analyst so let's listen to that one briefly so i'm delighted to say that we do have online with us our special guest of the morning nizar farsakh who is a palestinian american political analyst with extensive experience in the israel palestine conflict as well as the us middle east policy good morning peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show thank you for having me It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Just to begin with, could you tell us how has the historical context shaped the current state of affairs in the region? So basically it's uh, the historical context has to do with uh, the Palestinians uh, not having their rights. So since uh, the British mandate that is when the British took over uh, the land of Palestine, the Holy Land from the Ottomans as a consequence of the First World War, Uh, the british uh, gave uh, well they were uh, ruling so they they were controlling the palestinians and gave prefer- preferential treatment to the jewish zionists that were immigrating to palestine so from, from very early on uh, the palestinians were uh, being usurped usurped their rights and um, even before the creation of the state of israel and then once the state of israel was created uh, there followed further uh, transgressions uh, against Palestinian rights and what's been happening since is Palestinians trying to regain their rights yes that that is the current situation that you are we are witnessing today as well um what is the history of violations against Palestinian human rights so the the first one is of course the right to self determination when hmm. the british uh, took over the mandate uh, they specifically with the balfour declaration Uh, recognized uh, the national rights of uh, Jews to create a, a Jewish state while only recognizing the religious and civil rights of uh, everybody else uh, so from the very beginning the british did not recognize the palestinian non-jewish population's right to self determination and then with the creation of the state of israel that was based on uh, jewish identity that is Uh, you need to prove that one at least one grandparent of yours is jewish for you to get citizenship uh, the whole state was built on the premise of uh, superior rights for uh, jewish members of the state than non jewish members and then when israel occupied uh, the west bank and the gaza strip it had a military occupation and that military occupation also had many restrictions that had to do with favoring uh, Jewish settlers that is settlers from Israel that happen to be Jewish and uh, allowing them to uh, you know get uh, land in the west bank and uh, settle in it and get uh, water and, and more actually more water rights and more rights than 
the indigenous Palestinians, while at the same time uh, uh, imprisoning uh, Palestinians without uh, trial. So that one of the, with the big problems that we have is that uh, Israel has um, inherited from the British uh, mm. this uh, what's called administrative detention, uh, yeah. which is uh, the state's uh, ability to detain someone without charge indefinitely. Mm. Uh, and we have thousands of Palestinians who, who have uh, been detained with that uh, policy. Yes. And um, how do you see the role of international organizations, you know, such as the UN uh, and the global community in resolving the conflict? Do you think they're working towards it? Do you think they've taken any positive steps or do you think they need to uh, be working further to, to resolve the conflict? Exactly, it's, it's the latter. That is, they have been doing, uh, they have been contributing to try to uh, at least manage the conflict, but there is much more that they can do uh, that would help. The, the basic one has to do with the refugees uh, that uh, happened after the 1948 war. Uh, you had uh, three quarters of a million Palestinians uh, fleeing or being expelled from their homes, and these people uh, got aid from the United Nations Relief Works Agency, and then other agencies pitched in. So uh, be, uh, uh, giving uh, food, shelter, and uh, uh, work for that population is part of the international community's commitment. Uh, so it's not charity. In fact, it's, it's their uh, responsibility to provide uh, the, the refugees with uh, the means of life pending the resolution of the conflict. Uh, and as well, in addition to, to those responsibilities, uh, the international community also has the responsibility to uphold international law. So to the extent that Palestinian rights are being transgressed by Israel or uh, when Israel is uh, violating international law, the international community has a duty and responsibility to hold Israel accountable. And the most uh, egregious of those is, in fact, the land confiscation and the settlement uh, policies of Israel. The international community can and has the capacity, that is, to penalize uh, settlement activities and uh, Israeli uh, citizens who are involved in, in settlement activities, international companies that are implicated in, in settlement activities. All of these uh, uh, factions can be penalized in order to deter them from breaking international law. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. the international community has chosen not to do that, and that's one of the main reasons why Israel and Israeli actors feel uh, um, comfortable and at ease violating international law because nobody's holding them accountable. Yeah, yeah. Would you consider what Israel is doing in Palestine a genocide? Uh, yes, what's happening in Gaza is definitely a genocide because they are uh, punishing the entire population when they claim they're targeting only militants and by cutting water, <clears throat> excuse me, cutting water and food uh, as well as uh, indiscriminate bombing, they are uh, intentionally killing uh, innocent civilians, knowing that they are killing them. It's incorrect. Even if they claim that uh, it's collateral damage, the, the numbers uh, show otherwise. You cannot have a collateral dam damage of uh, an order of uh, 15 times, and many uh, um, genocide experts have said so. Uh, and in addition to that, it's all of that uh, policy of, of starvation and denying uh, healthcare, bombing the hospitals, all of it has to do with making the area of the Gaza Strip unlivable. Uh, therefore, mm. 
forcing people to leave that land, and that in and of itself is, is genocide. When you're putting people in a, in a, uh, in a situation where uh, life becomes very difficult, if not impossible. Yeah. Would you consider the actions of the Yemeni Houthis um, correct? You know, what they're doing at the, blocking the ships in the Red Sea? I mean, it is a form of uh, military pressure. Yeah. Uh, of course, they are, they, they are in, in a sense, uh, uh, threatening uh, international uh, uh, shipping, but they're doing yeah. so not out of piracy. They're doing so because uh, the international community is not protecting the Palestinian uh, population, right? So it, it is a war, and yeah. so the, the situation is, is not a situation of, of like piracy. No, it's a situation of uh, a, a political weapon being utilized. Of course. And, um, you know, going forward, what do you think the, the outcome will be of this whole conflict? How do you think that it will end? Uh, unfortunately, what, what will happen is uh, further uh, Palestinian suffering but as far yeah. as geopolitical changes, uh, definitely uh, this has been uh, a, a resounding uh, failure for Israel and, and uh, defeat uh, mm. since Palestinians ha- are steadfast, they're still there. And more importantly, what happened in October, on October 7th, it just yeah. completely decimated uh, the Israeli public's faith in its capacity to protect yeah. itself, right? So the, the, that is a very big Palestinian win because the Palestinians have shown the Israelis that there will not be any peace until Palestinian rights are addressed. There is no way for Israel to secure itself without uh, having the Palestinians uh, agree or like uh, having the Palestinians have their rights. Because so long as the, so long as the Palestinians don't have the rights, they do have the capacity to deny Israel security. And, and yeah. until today, until like October 7th, uh, the majority of Israelis were under the impression that they can provide security to their citizens without, uh, uh, you know, the cooperation of the Palestinians. And, and October 7th uh, has dissipated. Yeah. Uh, just before we let you go, um, you know, you spoke about organizations and companies doing more. Do you think that the public boycott that is going on with certain companies that are associated with Israel, such as, you know, McDonald's or Starbucks, uh, Zara that we we have seen in the media. Do you think that these boycotts are successful? Yes, they are successful. One thing that people need to understand about boycotts is that it's really not about the economic impact. It's about the attention it draws. So yeah. a, a company does not need to lose money uh, to realize that it's not in its best interest to be seen as uh, in negative light. Uh, so yeah. the attention that boycott brings is putting pressure on all of these companies to have to make a decision whether they're going to double down on supporting Israel's violation of Palestinian rights or yeah. are they just going to take a step back. And when they do that, the companies that do take a step back, that hurts the Israeli uh, uh, economy because it be- Israel becomes a toxic environment, a toxic economy. Uh, that is just not worth investing. And that is just the kind of pressure that was applied on South Africa. And that is what brought the white South Africans, the the ruling Mm. South Africans, whether they agreed or disagreed with apartheid, they realized that it's just not sustainable because way too many companies are reconsidering their their relationship with South Africa, also like sports agencies and what have you. So the, the system was no longer sustainable, and that's what boycotts do. They make 
occupation and the apartheid system in Israel, they make it unsustainable. Israel will no longer be able to uh, continue with its discriminatory policies uh, and, and maintain a stable economy. Indeed, indeed. You know, may Allah the Almighty guide us all on the right path. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Peace be upon you and take care. Thank you for having me. Peace be upon you too. So that was um, Mr. Nizar Fursakh, who is a, um, as I mentioned, is a Palestinian-American political analyst with extensive experience in the Israel-Palestine conflict. And uh, he's always also served as an advisor to the last two Palestinian ambassadors uh, to Washington. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's very, uh, he's, he's an expert in, in terms of this, that we were speaking to him. And he, he raised some very uh, valid points, uh, especially in regards to what the the Yemeni Houthi rebels, what they're doing, you know, they're just taking, it's not got anything to do with money or anything to do with um, any political gain or anything like that. But what they, what they want, <clears throat> they're taking action uh, in order to essentially get a ceasefire in place and stop the killing of innocent civilians and uh, for there to be aid to be sent, proper aid to be sent to Gaza. That is what um, they're, why they are having to commit these actions. That is what he was mentioning. And, um, you know, the historical context as well that, you know, this has been happening for... Uh, many decades, what is um, the, the uh, Gazans, the Palestinians, the, even in the West Bank, the occupied West Bank, what is happening over there as well? It's been happening for the, for the last uh, many decades. But what is happened? What has happened since October the seventh? It's never happened at this scale. It's the amount of innocent women, elderly, and uh, innocent children that have passed away from this is just so much. Uh, and you know our thoughts and prayers go out to all the families of the loved ones, and uh, may Allah the Almighty grant them a place in in paradise as well. Um, but you know what we, what I spoke about earlier in uh, in the news as well that Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, he has vowed um, he has vowed that the intensity will even you know even further. Uh, it, it will further continue. They, it will further continue to inte- uh, intensify their attacks on on Gaza. So, you know, the si- situation is very dire. We do have a very brief audio clip uh, of the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in regards to this. Hazrat Mizar Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him. So let's listen to that one. This was prophesied in the Holy Quran that twice will the Israelites be turned out of Palestine and twice they will recapture it and twice will they be tried if they conducted themselves well in the sight of Allah then they will not be punished but if they reverted to the old follies then they will be punished and turned out of Palestine and Palestine would be inherited by godly people, by the righteous people. So, unless this prophecy is fulfilled, 
in both uh, in both manners you know there are two things mentioned in this prophecy number one the Jews will recapture one day in the latter days the word latter days is wadul uh, akhara is the word used is, is the expression used in the Holy Quran in the promise of the latter days Jews will be made to return to Palestine. This is a prophecy of the Holy Quran, nobody could alter it. After them, the land will be inherited by past people. So if the Muslims of the time were already pious, why should they have come to Palestine at all? That means to say that at the time when Muslims when uh, the Jews would recapture or re-enter Palestine, generally speaking, the Muslims would have been rejected by Allah as not pious. In the meantime, a pious community would be created from among them. And Jews will ultimately be made to leave Palestine in shame and in defeat. And that land would be inherited alarm by the God-fearing people of Allah. So here, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim uh, community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad, may Allah have mercy on him, you know, he was speaking about that it is mentioned in the Holy Quran as well, that um, <clears throat> the Jews were... <clears throat> Uh, will return um, to the land of Palestine in the latter days they, as it was their promised land um, but then after it will be inherited by pious people so the, what we need to understand from what he was saying is that the, you know, the state of the Muslims wasn't a state of piety that it, but um, you know the Muslims even the state of the Muslim Ummah today we can see is not that of uh, that they are essentially on the right path because this this is mentioned in uh, various uh, narrations of the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that in the latter days that this will be the plight of muslims um that th this is uh, what they the, the actions that they will be committing will be very heinous ones as well but um as you know as we can see what is happening is uh, that innocent uh, Muslims, innocent children, innocent women are being massacred uh, in masses. So you know uh, what what is happening is uh, is completely and utterly wrong, and uh, completely and utterly atrocious. The acts that uh, Israel is committing towards the Palestinians, and hopefully Allah the Almighty guides them on the right path, and um, uh, the Muslim Ummah as well. Hopefully they come back with piety on the right path, the path um, Allah the Almighty uh, has laid out for us, the correct path. And um, what they need to realize is that the promised Messiah, the, this is the coming of the age of the promised Messiah, and the promised Messiah has come as he was foretold to come in the latter days because this is the situation that would be going through in the world and this is the best time that the promised Messiah was needed for. So he has come. The promised Messiah, peace and blessings, uh, peace be upon him, has come to the Ahmadi Muslim community, the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community has arrived. So dear listener, we will be taking a very short break, and um, a news break, and then uh, do join us after the news break where we will be discussing our second segment of the morning. So don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short news break. Allah, Allah. 
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show dear listener. We are moving on to swiftly moving on to our second segment of the morning should we be taking vitamin D supplements during winter months. Vitamin D supplements are crucial in winter due to reduced sunlight exposure, which can lead to insufficient natural synthesis of the vitamin in the body. Supplementing helps <clears throat> maintain optimal vitamin D levels, supporting overall health and well-being. So, you know, this is a topic uh, that uh, might you know be touching a lot of us at heart, uh, especially in the South Asian community. I know uh, personally, um, including my family and my, um, a lot of my friends, they have been prescribed um, vitamin D uh, supplements, vitamin D tablets from their GP as um, we do not produce, uh, because especially in the UK there is not enough sun, so our our bodies can't produce enough vitamin D naturally um, because we are used to having a lot of sun. We are from those countries such as you know Bangladesh, Pakistan, India. Uh, these countries they do have a lot of sun so there you don't really need to take vitamin d tablets because you're out all, all day in the sun working or, or what have you but here in this country even if you're out all day the sun barely comes out um it comes out sometimes every now and then in in the summer but especially in the winter it's it's, it's basically never there so even myself i have to take vitamin d tablets as well um not just during the winter in, in the summer as well to maintain the optimal level so is vitamin d supplementation necessary during winter months during winter limited exposure to sunlight can lead to vitamin d deficiency affecting about 29 percent of adults in the uk between january and march to address this issue public health england recommends vitamin d supplementation for everyone from october to march Vitamin D is essential for calcium calcium uh, absorption. Crucial for maintaining strong bones, severe deficiency can lead to conditions like rickets in children and osteomalacia in adults. Vitamin D deficiency in adults, especially during winter, can cause bone and muscle aches. Supplementation can help prevent these issues. Vitamin D has gained mythic properties in medicine. <clears throat> With recent discoveries of vitamin D receptors in every cell suggesting potential benefit beyond current understanding, studies suggest that vitamin D f- deficiency may increase the risk of conditions such as multiple um, uh, multiple cellulosis, diabetes and ca- cancer. The UK government advises getting 10 micrograms of vitamin D per day and supplementation is recommended to prevent uh, muscular skeletal issues. Supplementation is considered a precautionary measure due to potential health risk associated with the vitamin D deficiency, and there is a risk of hypercalcemia, uh, high calcium levels, with excessive vitamin D intake. So you know that is uh, with everything you can overdose pretty much on on everything. You can have too much of something as well. Uh, caution is advised not to combine high vitamin D with excessive calcium consumption. While con- uh, supplementation may not harm those not deficient, cost considerations may limit access, especially for individuals with financial constraints. So, you know, that is that is what is happening, especially, you know, in the winter months, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, there is um, there is 
barely any sun in our country so we do need to be very cautious and uh, you know seek uh, me- professional medical advice as well so we do have online with us our first guest of the morning uh, for this topic dr leila tegan uh, who is a plant based lifestyle um, uh, whose plant based lifestyle began after suffering from uh, debilitating migraines and other health problems good morning uh, peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show doctor Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And just to begin with, could you tell us uh, what do vitamin supplements do to the body? Well, uh, vitamin supplements are actually made to fill in nutritional gaps, and which is really helpful for people who might not get all the vitamins they need from their diet, or we have sometimes people who suffer from certain health conditions, and that is why they don't get enough vitamins. So the supplements actually provide the body with concentrated doses of essential micronutrients and they can help prevent or fix deficiencies. But obviously what they do in the body depends on the specific vitamins they contain. For example, uh, a lot of vitamins act as coenzymes which are like helpers in the body and they support different processes. Uh, like B vitamins for example, they help turn the food we eat into energy. Then uh, we have vitamin C and E, uh, which a lot of people know as antioxidants. And obviously, you have been talking about vitamin D, and this is really super important for our bones. Yes. So it really depends on what kind of vitamin uh, supplements you are taking and what they do. You know, they do different things in the body. Then. Indeed, indeed. And uh, what happens to a body that lacks vitamin D? When uh, we talk about vitamin D, we usually think of uh, bones because they help actually our bodies absorb calcium and phosphorus. And both of those nutrients are very important for healthy bones. So if uh, you know we don't have enough vitamin D, our calcium levels drop and that makes our bones weaker and that increases the risk of osteoporosis. Yes. But vitamin D is also vital for muscles. That is something sometimes people forget. So we, if we are low on you know, vitamin D, our muscles get uh, weak and painful. So it makes it actually hard for, our, uh, for us you know, to do physical activities. And it increases the chances of falling. So Indeed. vitamin D is not just uh, you know, about bones. It's also important for muscles. And another interesting thing, which was really highlighted during the COVID-19 pandemic, was um, the role of vitamin D in regulating the immune system. Mm. We had some studies coming out that suggested that having low levels of vitamin D might actually increase the risk of having a more severe case of COVID-19. So that shows us that low vitamin D levels also you know, compromise the immune uh, system, yes. the immune response, and increase the risk of infection. Yes. Um, uh, so could uh, vitamin D deficiency lead to um, very severe cases or even, you know, death? Well, uh, it really depends on how low it is. Usually we have other symptoms yes. which alert us that we may have low vitamin D. And because low vitamin D is actually a problem in the UK. Yes. So one in six adults actually have has low vitamin D. So, uh, you know, it doesn't get to uh, to that low level because before that you would get a blood test and then you know you can take supplements and rectify the problem hmm. <clears throat> so um do you think it's recommended to take it all year round vitamin d supplements or just in the winter well it depends uh, i mean vitamin d is very unique because it is made by the body when this uh, you know when our skin is exposed to sunlight and that's why it is actually called the sunshine vitamin. Yes. So if you're not getting enough sunlight, 
then yes, it is a good idea to take vitamin D supplements. And basic, obviously, you know, you know, winter months, uh, you need to have a vitamin D supplement. And the NHS actually recommends that we all take vitamin D supplements from October to, you know, late March, early April. Yes. But having said that, anytime, you know, you are indoors and there isn't a lot of sun out there, then you may want to consider taking a vitamin D supplement. And we have, of course, groups of people who are more at risk, for example, the elderly. They don't spend a lot of time, um, you know, outdoors. They yes. spend more time indoors. And uh, also their skin doesn't actually make as much vitamin D from sunlight. So they might actually want to consider taking a supplement all year. And again, people with darker skin, they tend to make less vitamin D from the sun. So again, those people might want to consider taking a supplement all year. But again, it really depends on their lifestyle. If they spend a lot of time, you know, outdoors when there is sun, then they might not need it. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, if people have certain health issues and they, they don't absorb vitamin D, you know, properly, then they also need, you know, to consider taking a vitamin D supplement. Yes. Indeed. And should we trust the vitamin D supplements? I would say yes. In general, they are safe. And as long as we adhere to the recommended dose, hmm. uh, because sometimes people, you know, they feel like, oh, and they may have you know, low levels and they self-prescribe and they take really high doses. Yes. And so it is, as long as you, know, you, uh, you know, adhere to the recommended dose, which is like 10 micrograms, and, uh, you know, you can also discuss it, you know, with your GP. Then as long as you do that, then yes, uh, you know, they are actually quite safe. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Doctor. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, for now, take care. Have a good morning. And, Thank you. Uh, you bye too. for now. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So uh, that was uh, that was a very, you know, um, thoughtful interview that we did have uh, with the Doctor Leila Dugan. Um who mentioned, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, who mentioned that it is really important that uh, you take prescribed, you know, prescribed vitamins because some people self-prescribe, as she mentioned, and they go, they take a really high dosage, which may, you know, um, be harmful for, for them. As we, we spoke about excessive vitamin D intake earlier, um, that's why it's important even if you do self-prescribe, uh, even if you do feel like you've got low vitamin D, don't don't go for the high dosage. And uh, you know you do you should always try and seek professional medical advice before um, taking taking tablets uh, or any any form of uh, medicine, any any form of uh, vitamins as well. It is um, it is of special interest to note here that uh, the ozone is permitted to destroy ultraviolet rays altogether. At their broadest wavelength, the ultraviolet rays are permitted to pass through the ozone barrier and reach close to the global surface because because at this wavelength, they do not pose any threat to the dwellers of Earth. On the contrary, at this wavelength, they are beneficial being largely responsible for the synthesis of vitamin D in mammals, including human beings. One really wonders as to how many Billions of chaotic chances must have uh, colluded to create this wonder. And how? Everything is so precisely calculated, so superbly designed, and so dexterously executed. And that the conclusion that one uh, ultimately draws to is that there must be a higher being, a, a creator. 
which is Allah the Almighty. So, you know, vitamin D, as mentioned earlier, is in is needed to keep bones, teeth and muscle healthy. And it's needed to help your immune system and destroy pathogens from the environment. It is responsible for intest intestinal absorption for calcium, magnesium and phosphate. Uh, at the end of page 97 um, and, uh, you know, at the start of page 98 in the book, Absolute Justice kindness and kinship, the three creative principles. Book by Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, uh, the fourth caliph of them, the Muslim community. May Allah have mercy on him. It is written that the presence of vitamin D increases in the absorption of calcium. Hence, in tropical countries, even though the diet may be deficient in calcium, the high level of vitamin D in the body from exposure of the sun will make the absorption of calcium more efficient. From this, we can learn that one uh, one way we obtain vitamin D is by spending time outside in the sun. However, as autumn and winter seasons approach at the end of the year, we experience less sunlight, which means we have to make sure we are consuming foods that contain vitamin D to ensure that our body is able to function in the way that it needs to. In chapter 95, of the Holy Quran, verse 1 to 5, it states, wa wa sinin, wa amin, lakad fi Meaning, by the fig and the olive, and by Mount Sinai, and by the town of security, surely we have created man in the best make. In this Quranic verse, Allah the Almighty mentions figs, which is, a fruit that contains 4% of the daily value and is quite a low amount compared to other foods. It is recommended that a person should consume around 2-3 to three figs in one day because it does contain, you know, uh, uh, vitamin D as well. And um, that, that, so how does reduced sunlight in winter months impact vitamin D levels? That is what we need to discuss as well. But before that, we do have a brief audio clip in regards to this that we will be listening to. The other important aspect of this is, yes, um, vitamin D is essential for our bodies in that it is a, a, an element that is required for the absorption of calcium from uh, the uh, intestines for uh, the bone development and, and so on and for many other reasons. But uh, when, when we look at the researchers, they also say that there are four main sources from which we can get our, our vitamin D. One is from food sources, naturally occurring in foods. There may be few and far in between uh, things like fatty fish and fish oils. They will always contain that. And secondly, it is as added as a supplement to many foods. And in the US and in Canada in particular, by law, it is added to milk. So this is something that is going to be, uh, people are going to be able to get that in any, any respects. Then there are the supplements that also are available uh, as far as uh, men and women are concerned that they too can get their uh, RDA, their uh, required daily amount of these substances. And fourthly, we do synthesize vitamin D through our bodies, through UV rays striking our sun. But researchers also tell us that only five to 15 minutes are all that is required uh, two, twice a week for us to be able to absorb enough 
UV to be able to synthesize the required level of that. So this is putting everything in context is that we do not have to be out in the sun for any prolonged periods with the, a, a large part of our bodies uncovered to be able to absorb that. Only 6% is required for these figures that I have said. But the thing with Islam is that Islam does not confine the women to the houses totally. They are free to go out, they are free to carry on whatever occupations that they, they have. So that's, uh, that was an uh, interesting uh, clip that it was speaking about, you know, um, how some people may argue that Muslim women are are oppressed or suppressed um, that they have to you know stick to wearing be fully clothed at all times or be confined in their houses but that's not the case Islam does not confine women to their houses and uh, if one has a private garden or goes to a private area uh, women they don't have to be fully you know covered head to toe uh, they they are allowed uh, in front of their in front of their some of their family members in front of their husband and children as well. Uh, they are allowed to be in moderate clothing as well. And as mentioned um, as well, that you don't need your entire body uh, to be getting um, to be exposed to the sun to get the UV rays to um, for you to synthesize vitamin D in your body. And it only needs to be uh, science uh, science and um, from a science point of view and researchers have. Um, said that it only needs to be five to ten minutes of uh, you need to stay in the sun f for during uh, during the whole week. Uh, that's um, uh, uh, twice twice a week, five to ten minutes. So that's that's not too much, you know. But in this country, it is difficult, especially in this country, because you could, you'll be lucky to even get two to three minutes of the sun, uh, especially in the winter months. So we do need to be careful, uh, and as well as the supplements are available. And uh, people are people are they are accessible. People are allowed to take them. So, how does reduced sunlight in winter months impact vitamin D levels? Reduced sunlight during winter months means people spend more time indoors, leading to decreased exposure to sunlight. Sunlight exposure triggers the skin to produce vitamin D with less sunlight. The body's ability to synthesize vitamin D is compromised. During winter, the sun is at a lower angle in the sky and the UVB radiation responsible for vitamin D synthesis has a longer path through the atmosphere, reducing its effectiveness. People at higher latitudes experience more significant reductions in sunlight during winter, further impacting vitamin D levels. While vitamin D can be obtained from some foods, dietary sources alone may not provide sufficient amounts, especially in the winter. The drop in vitamin D levels is caused by the decreased amount of time spent outside in the sunshine, which hugely impacts one's mental health. This can also be known as seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder is a topic, you know, we have covered intensively at The Voice of Islam, uh, especially here on the Wednesday Breakfast Show. We have uh, discussed it many times uh, because uh, every season it comes around uh, every winter season and um, you know as in the acronym uh, SAD people that is essentially how they feel seasonal affective disorder uh, that is how they will be feeling and the ways out of that is um, uh, that um, the ways out of that is that um, 
because you just need to take your supplements or try and get the sunshine into your body um get the uv rays in or just remember that as it mentions in the holy quran this verse should uh, this verse is essentially you could say a, a motto a motto not for only for voice of islam but a motto uh, a way of life as well that surely surely in the remembrance of allah hearts find content contentment hearts can find comfort surely in the remembrance of allah hearts can find comfort so we always need to also turn to allah the almighty as we have spoken in the previous shows as well that prayer uh, salat uh, the actions that we commit uh, in salat uh, you know bowing prostrating um that is uh, what um, those actions they you know they do have a soothing effect as well on on not only uh, they are not only good for you physically but also mentally as well that uh, they are mentally as well they can be you know um, it is essentially some people when they are prostrating before allah the almighty they say it is it is an escape from the world and uh, you know you just turn to god almighty you let him know of your worries and it is as if all the problems have faded away in in that moment especially and alhamdulillah by the grace of allah the almighty uh, all praise belongs to allah we have been given the opportunity to do this five times a day five times a day especially as uh, muslims being md muslims uh, we do have the opportunity to pray and these are just the compulsory prayers so we do have the opportunity to pray five times a day but many more as well there's other uh, voluntary prayers as well such as the hajjud that uh, one can perform uh, before the first prayer the fajr morning prayer um and you can pray during the day as well and if if not uh, then you can also uh, you know read the holy quran recite the holy quran and turn towards allah the almighty in that way as well now we'll be speaking about um, some of the specific groups of people that are more prone to vitamin D deficiency during winter older adults older adults may have reduced skin capacity to produce vitamin D and they may have to spend more time indoors increasing the risk of deficiency individuals with darker skin produce less vitamin d from the sunlight due to higher melanin levels making them more prone to deficiency especially in regions with limited sunlight and uh, those who spend extended periods of uh, time indoors such as office workers such as office workers or individuals in institutional settings may lack sufficient sunlight exposure for adequate vitamin D synthesis people living at higher latitudes experience more dramatic they experience more dramatic reductions in sunlight during winter impacting their ability to produce vitamin D individuals with malabsorption disorders certain gastrointestinal conditions or obesity may have difficulty absorbing and utilizing vitamin D increasing the risk of deficiency you know this turns back to the teachings of islam uh, the holy uh, there is a narration of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him um i'm using my own words here that uh, a strong believer is a good believer a good believer is a strong believer 
So, you know, you need to be physically healthy as well. It's very important to say physically fit. And this is, you know, the teaching of Islam. We do have online with us our um, uh, another guest of uh, of the morning for this segment, Miss Catherine uh, Lip. I hope you, I'm pronouncing your name correctly, who is a registered nutritionist. Uh, accredited by the Association for Nutrition and specialises in public health and podiatric nutrition. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Uh, good morning, Catherine. I believe we may be having some difficulty. Uh, so we will try again uh, later. Um but for now, let us carry on discussing the topic at hand uh, and see what we were discussing earlier. We were talking about, um, you know, uh, the people who are most prone to vitamin D. Uh, we do have, uh, I believe we have Catherine back on the line with us. Good morning. Uh, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, just to begin with, what role does vitamin D play in supporting the immune system? Um, yes, yeah, so there are some links between vitamin D and immunity. Um, and I know you've talked a lot about this morning and some of your previous guests have talked about the well-established link between vitamin D and bone health. But yes. there is more um, research coming through that shows that there is a, a, a role for vitamin D in supporting the immune system. Yes, um, And it can do that by sort of enhancing the body's barriers where germs and bacteria and pathogens might enter the body. Um, so, you know, we do need a little bit more good quality research and more longitudinal research around these links. But there is um, quite a lot of observational research that's coming through that shows an important link between vitamin D yes. and immunity. And we know that there are there is an association where people have lower levels of vitamin D. And that can be associated with increased risk of infection, particularly um, acute respiratory tract infections. So there's certainly a link there. But I think you know what's really important to remember is that there are lots of other factors involved in supporting a healthy immune system. So vitamin D is one element of that, but also eating a healthy, balanced diet with plenty of colourful fruits and vegetables, looking after our gut health. So, yes. you know, there's a lot of important factors in immunity. Vitamin D is is just one of those factors. Yes. So, uh, uh, in regards to vitamin D, this uh, this comes from a layman point of view. How how do they like essentially capture uh, the UV rays from the sun and like put it into a tablet? Like, how do you know how that works? Um, well, so there's two different types of vitamin D. You get vitamin D two and vitamin D three. Yes. Um, and in terms of how our body uses each one, the uh, the pathway is slightly different. So when we when the UV rays hit our skin, um, there is a process that our skin actually makes the vitamin D, and it makes vitamin D three in mm. our skin subcutaneously. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking for a vitamin D supplement. Um, it can be useful to look for one that's got vitamin D3. We think that that is the more efficient way yeah. of getting vitamin D from a supplement um, going for the vitamin D3. Yes. It, it helps to... Um, 
make the vitamin D in our body more efficiently than vitamin D2. If you've got a vitamin D2 supplement, it will still make vitamin D, but there are more pathways. It's perhaps not such an efficient process of, of making vitamin D within the body. So the advice is that generally, if you're going for a vitamin D supplement, go for one that says vitamin D3. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, how would one know that if they're deficient in vitamin D? Yeah, it's a good question. So symptoms of vitamin D deficiency are, are quite varied and actually they can be quite non-specific. Um, it might include, you know, very general things like feeling a bit tired or fatigued, having aches and pains or, you know, frequent infections as well. Um, in some severe cases of vitamin D deficiency, you might experience bone pain and weakness and be more susceptible to perhaps breaks or fractures. In children um, with vitamin D deficiency, we often see rickets as being a symptom of vitamin D deficiency. And in adults, something called osteomalacia, which is um, softening of the bones. Hmm. So, you know, you may not always know if you're low in vitamin D. Um, Like I say, you know, things like fatigue and aches and pains could be attributed to many other um, conditions as well. But I think, you know, the important thing is if you're concerned or if you are at risk of vitamin D deficiency, um, the best thing to do is speak to your your GP um, and they will be able to advise you. But certainly taking a supplement is helpful as well. Um, So what are some natural foods that you would suggest that, you know, do you have vitamin uh, vitamin D's? you know, vitamin D in them that mm-hmm. you sh- we should be taking? Yeah. So in terms of dietary sources of vitamin D, things like oily fish, so yeah. that's salmon, sardines, herring, mackerel, trout, pilchards, those types of fish do have some vitamin D. Red meat may also have a little bit of vitamin D in. Um, egg yolks will have a little bit of vitamin D. And we do have some fortified foods in this country as well that are fortified with vitamin D. So particularly breakfast cereals, some um, margarines and fat spreads as well will also be fortified with vitamin D in this in this country. Um, I think what's important to remember is that we don't get a lot of vitamin D from food. Yes. So, um, you know, we've talked about already, you've mentioned it a lot on the show already, the me- best source of vitamin D is from sunlight. Um, yes. But we know, obviously, that between October and early March in the UK, we don't make enough vitamin D from sunlight because we don't get enough of that correct type of UVB ray. Yes. And the latitude of the sunlight isn't um, efficient enough for making vitamin D. So you can certainly make sure that you are including some of those dietary sources of vitamin D in your diet as well. But a supplementation is also recommended in the UK between those winter months. Yes. So, I, you know, I did ask the previous uh, guest uh, who, who was a doctor as well that can we trust vitamin D? So from, from a sceptical point of view, some yeah. people, you know, they're really mindful about what they put into their body. Mm. You know, so some people didn't take the vaccine either. So how mm. can they trust a, a, a pill, basically, to do the job of the sun? Yeah. Um, Well, we know that vitamin D supplementation works and it can help to increase vitamin D um, levels in the body. Um, Like I say, you know, the best form of vitamin D to go for, if you can, is vitamin D3. It's very much a personal choice, but in the UK, the Department of Health um, guidance is for all adults to be taking a vitamin D supplement of 10 micrograms a day from October to perhaps 
late March, early April, um, and you know that applies to all of uh, the adults in the UK. So you know it, it is a government recommendation, and there are some really good vitamin D supplements out there. I think you know which one you go for is very much a personal choice. And, and my my advice would be to anybody who is concerned um, would be to speak to your GP about which one would be most suitable for you. Okay. So, so you know, um, you did sp- speak about the daily intake, the minimum daily intake. So, on, 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 because I, I myself take uh, vitamin D tablets as well. But mm-hmm. if, if, if it says the same um, amount, like ten mg or something like that, uh, on two different bottles, two different brands, does it matter? If one's more expensive, one's cheaper, but it's the same amount of strength. No, it- yeah, no, it doesn't matter. So as long as you're taking the correct dosage, which is 10 micrograms. Yeah. Um, so if it says mg, mg actually is milligrams. Yeah. Mi- micrograms is, is less than that. So it's almost represented by a funny looking U. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird it. weird sign. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the sign for micrograms. Yeah. So what you're looking for with that dosage is a vitamin D supplement that contains 10 micrograms a day. Um, and as I say, for adults, um, we should be taking 10 micrograms a day from October to April. Um, you know, for children um, and for at-risk groups, um, it's recommended actually to take a vitamin D supplement all year round, hmm. um, not just during those winter months. And the dosage is the same, 10 micrograms a day for yeah. all children from the age of, of one to four years um, and those for over 65 as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, shedding light upon this topic. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. For now, have a good morning and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. So, um, you know, Catherine mentioned some some food as well that is really good. Uh, If you have a vitamin D deficiency, like oily fish, salmon, sardines and uh, red meat as well. But as she said, that it's not sufficient for... if if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you will have to turn to supplements. And especially it is uh, recommended from the months of October to March by the government as well to be taking at least 10 micrograms. That's like the cheapest and the lowest amount you will probably find in, in vitamin D tablets as well. Um, you can take a bit of a higher strength as well if need be. But that is why she mentioned as well, you should refer to your GP, speak to your GP and uh, see how they guide you. And as earlier, we were speaking about um, individuals that are most prone to vitamin D deficiency. Um, So those individuals, uh, you know, um, that um, have restricted diets or limited access to vitamin D rich foods may struggle to meet their vitamin D requirements through dietary sources alone. Individuals in care homes, hospitals, or other institutional settings may have limited outdoor activities contributing to lower sunlight exposure and potential vitamin D deficiency. Some chronic diseases such as kidney or liver disorders can affect vitamin D metabolism leading to deficiency if not properly managed. We do have online with us our last guest of the morning for this topic, Dr. Sobia Arshad, who is a consultant endocrinologist. She completed her speciality training in diabetes. Um, and um, general internal medicine from Kent, Surrey, and Sussex uh, Deanery. Good morning, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the breakfast show. Good morning, walikum salam. Thank you for having me. 
Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, Doctor. Uh, just to begin with, um, are synthetic vit- vitamins supplements harmful in any way or form? Uh, no, the simple answer is no. They are not harmful uh, because vitamin D is mainly uh, taken in a synthetic form uh, because the natural supply of vitamin D is is not um, in, in abundance. It's only in very few foods that contain vitamin D. Yes. So we have to rely on synthetic forms and synthetic forms are very close to natural vitamin D and no, they're not harmful. And even if you take um, like an excessive amount? Because vitamin D metabolism, vitamin D is a very unique hormone or vitamin in a way that it's very difficult to create abundance. The, uh, its absorption and its metabolism is, is quite specific and it requires a lot of sunshine to then change into the active form and then uh, it, uh, it goes through liver and kidneys. So you, I have not seen many people who will have high. Yes, of course, if you are start start taking very high doses artificially, you can um, theoretically create that, and uh, it, it may create uh, side effects. But it's not common um, common observation. One billion people in the world actually have deficiency, one billion. And 50% of the population uh, mm. in some shape or form are, are affected by vitamin, C, uh, vitamin D insufficiency. Yes. So uh, talking about what will happen if there's too much of vitamin D is, is very uncommon and um, almost unheard of. Okay, okay, that's that's good to know. So, what should be considered before taking, before deciding to take vitamin supplements? I think understanding how common vitamin D deficiency is is the most important factor. People don't realize that. People think, oh, I, I live in a uh, area where there's a lot of sunshine. Yes, there is a sunshine, but do you actually go and expose yourself to that sun? No. What we do when we sell outside, we cover ourselves, we get umbrella or shades and we uh, spend minimum time in the sunshine. So it's a, it's a sunshine vitamin. You need that exposure to your skin yes. uh, to absorb that. And if you're not, have, if you don't have it, then you will not have enough. And the food, as I said, there are very few food like oily fish, egg yolk and some fortified um, cereals uh, which has artificially mixed uh, vitamin D in them. Um, Otherwise, there are not many food products that have it. So, um, as I said, 50% are affected with uh, low vitamin D. So, I think understanding that it's very common and then taking it. Yes. And um, so, uh, Doctor, why would you say for someone who thinks, you know, they're just living about their day, they're just living their life, they don't need vitamin D, why why is it important for them to take it? So why is it important to take these supplements? Uh, very good question. So I, I think, uh, as I said, if if you are absolutely fine, there's absolutely no symptoms, you're very happy with your life, you're energetic, um, you're not feeling tired, uh, you're not getting aches and pains, and you don't want to take it, that's a fine. But especially women, uh, especially women who are in the reproductive age group, uh, going through pregnancies, uh, mothers who are breastfeeding, it's absolutely important that they take it 
But at anyone who's affected with other illnesses like diabetes or they have kidney disease or they have liver problem or any kind of other problem, they will have um, impaired metabolism, especially like a diabetic patients. They cannot absorb very much vitamin D and they need that because if they don't have the, if they don't have the symptoms, will enhance. So people who are experiencing symptoms and they can't point what is causing it, uh, they might have vitamin D deficiency. As I said, 50% of the population is affected. So uh, mostly these patients need to either talk about it, check, get it checked if they are uh, not sure, and take it. And women in uh, during pregnancy and lactation must take it. Yes, yes. And does ethnicity impact whether or not we should be taking vitamin D? Ethnicity does play a role because of our lifestyle choices. Because as Muslims, especially um, women, they like covering themselves. They will not go out in the sun to have sunbathing or expose their skin. So they are more at risk of developing vitamin D deficiency. And yes, there is the ethnicity predominance as well of this disease. And Asians... Uh, and dark-skinned people are more at risk of developing vitamin D deficiency. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Doctor. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. For now, assalamu alaikum. Have a good morning and uh, peace be upon you and take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So that was Dr. Sobia Arshad, um, uh, you know, letting us know why why it is important to take vitamin D, even if you think you're not deficient or you don't need it. So it is important because, especially in this country, in the UK, we don't have enough sunlight, especially in the winter months, for our body to produce vitamin D. So it's very important to take those supplements and we can trust those supplements as well because they are medically graded by health professionals and they do work. They do work. Um, I myself can attest to this, this as well because I have been taking vitamin D supplements as well as I was severely deficient before and um, I was having health problems. But now, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah Almighty, I am doing better as well. So I'd just like to draw your attention towards some of the, some prayers mentioned in the Holy Quran for recovery from diseases. Um, in chapter 21, verse 48, it states, Affliction has touched me, and you are the most merciful of all who show mercy. It's referring to Allah the Almighty and prayers for uh, for God's protection. In, the, uh, in chapter 3, verse 174, it is um, stated, Sufficient for us is Allah, and an excellent guardian is He. Another prayer uh, for health and illness is that... Um, in the name of Allah, I blow on you and Allah will heal you from every harmful illness and save you from the mischief of every person and the evil of every envious eye. Allah will heal you. In the name of Allah, I blow on you. And this is a routine prayer of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And the importance of health in Islam, you know, how Allah the Almighty has created humans perfectly for maximized absorption of vitamin D and other essential vitamins, Islamic teachings emphasize the perfection of Allah's creation, including the creation of humans. In chapter 95, verse 4, it states, We have certainly created man in the best of stature. This verse emphasizes the excellence and best design in the creation of humans. 
And in chapter 40, verse 64, it is stated, It is Allah who made for you the earth a place of settlement and the sky a canopy and formed you and perfected your forms and provided you with good things. That is Allah your Lord. Then blessed is Allah, Lord of all the worlds. This verse acknowledges the perfection in the form and provision of humans. I'd just like to you know, uh, also speak about some of the symptoms of vitamin D deficiency as well. Um, as we have covered this as well, but let's cover it in a bit more depth, that deficiency can cause bone pain and tenderness, particularly in the back, legs and pelvis, depending on age. Inadequate vitamin D may lead to muscle weakness and aches. Individuals with deficiency may experience general fatigue and lack of energy. Deficiency can contribute to joint pain and discomfort. Severe deficiency may lead to bone diseases, like we spoke about osteoporosis or rickets in children. Vitamin D is crucial for proper wound healing. The deficiency may slow down the process. Some studies suggest a link between low vitamin D levels and mood disorders, including depression as well. And that is what, you know, we were speaking about SAD, the seasonal affective disorder as well. And in certain cases, hair loss may be associated with the vitamin D deficiency as well. Deficient individuals may experience muscle cramps and spasms. Vitamin D plays a role in immune system function and deficiency may increase the risk of infections. Some research indicates a potential connection between low vitamin D levels and cognitive decline as well. So, dear listener, we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far. We have reached the end of today's breakfast show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. As we wrap up the show, we invite you to stay tuned for more exciting episodes and incredible guests in our tomorrow morning's show where we will be discussing uh, is Christmas really the day Jesus was born and do Muslims celebrate it? And for the second segment, they will be discussing wicked wars and the crisis they cause. I would like to just you know acknowledge the producer Tamsila Khurram and the researchers Han- Hanan Ashraf, Sarah Chaudhry, Razia Chaudhry, Maria Sheikh, Arisha Ahmed, um, Maida Mubashra, and our technical department as well, Armagan Ahmed. And you know, would love to hear from you as well. Keep those messages, requests, and feedbacks coming. As um, you know, I did uh, forget to mention that this is a live show. You can call us in at any time from 0286877878 or you can tweet us at the Voice of Islam UK. For now, dear listeners, have a good morning. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace be upon you and farewell.